I'm Ty, and I was a little late to church today. Do you all already have your travel guides? Okay, that is good. Because, uh, and also then, if you want to look in Genesis chapter 12, we're going to be in God's Word in Genesis, first book in the Bible, so if you want to look ahead there, you can have that as well. But today is finally here, and uh, we're going to go traveling together. And uh, if, if you're brand new around here, you're coming at a very exciting time. Welcome. We've been about 12 years and about $3 million of studies to finally hear the city of Dana Point say, yes, we could improve the uh, campus here and uh, take down some old buildings and add some new buildings that are larger and in the right spots and able to do ministries for the 21st century and to deck the parking lot by going down a level, you know, preserve views. And uh, so we're going to go traveling together. I want us to take a spiritual journey together. It's not just about the money. It's a spiritual journey because God is our leader and God is spirit. And the Bible says those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And God is our travel guide. We can't see him, but we can hear his voice and we can listen for his still small whisper. We can follow him. He's given us his word, the Bible. God's given us his Holy Spirit to whisper in our ear. And so it's a journey because God wants to move us. God is on the move in this world, and He wants to take us from where we are to where He wants us to be. And He takes you just as you are, but He doesn't leave you in one spot. And in the process, He's going to grow your faith, and He'll move in your heart and in your thoughts if you let Him. And in the process, you'll get to know our travel guide better and to trust what he tells us because God has a plan. He's got a plan for this world. He has a plan for this church. He has a plan for each one of us. And to think about this, in this world, God could work his whole plan without you and without me. If he could create the world, well, he could pop a few buildings on the side of a hill in Dana Point all by himself if he wanted. You know, just the next day, just have them all there. He hasn't chosen to do it that way. And I got thinking about all of God's plan that uh, you and I, you know, in, in the whole, if it were a play, we're coming in at the last act. I mean, think about it. God didn't need you or me to help him create the world or to build the ark or to enter the promised land or to start a kingdom or to build a temple or to set up Jerusalem as a capital city. He didn't need us to be one of the prophets or one of the ancient scribes. And uh, he, he didn't need us to be one of the disciples around Jesus. He didn't need us to be Jesus. And God sent himself into this world and uh, died on a cross, and uh, then he empowered the church uh, to be his people in the world. He didn't ask any one of us to be an author of a book of the Bible. God did all of those things without us. He's given us one little part to play near the end of the play, and uh, people throughout history, less like us, have heard God's voice and go, oh my goodness, God wants me to do what? And then when they follow in obedience... God blesses, God resources them. He puts the resources in their wallets, in their purses, so they can share it. And God has chosen you and me to live at a tough time in history in a hardened corner of the world where people are hardened against God because they have so much. And they think, I'm self-sufficient. I did it myself. I don't need God. I can buy my way out. And God has chosen you to be part of a church that's trying to reach those people and people all around the world with the love of Jesus Christ. That's exciting. So don't miss your cue to go on stage. Don't miss your moment. Our spiritual journey is inspired because the idea didn't start with us. It started way before we were ever born. And God has a plan that goes way after we're in heaven. 
The idea originated with God. It's God's idea. God's the one who loves to partner up with people and challenge them to believe in God and to believe God has the power to do miracles. All they have to do is hear his voice and obey and follow and see what he does. And so we're going to take a journey and journey, you know, traveling is not cheap. It never is. I mean, why travel though? You travel for the adventure because it's an un, some of it is unscripted because you're going to make a memory. You're going to take some pictures and the rewards far outweigh the costs. In our case, the costs are going to be high, but the rewards will far outweigh it still because 10,000 years from today, we'll be able to talk about Do you remember when, when, when we believed God and we did X, Y, Z? And we will laugh. We'll laugh with joy how God teams up with us. I mean, think about this. The Bible says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. God's got a big plan. You and I are just one little part. Now, there's five stops we're going to have on our journey. Did you already look through the book or did you just get it in your hand? Got it. Okay, then, then look with me. Go to page 20. Okay, find page 20 because there's a, a nice letter from the pastor at the beginning to kind of explain stuff. In fact, if you stop at page 15 on the way by, if you have a pen, you know, page 13 is a map of the campus so you can see what we're going to do. Page 15 right at the bottom is, I guess, uh, really kind of the whole thing in a synopsis. At the bottom of the page is a little prayer. God, how do you want to use me? Circle that. I'm asking every one of us to pray that prayer. God, how do you want to use me? And listen for God's voice. I don't want to be guilting anybody in anything. I don't want to twist any arms. I just want you to get centered before the Lord and to hear his voice. Because where God guides, God provides, and he's going to use his people to work his plan. So we're going to have five stops. And the first is on page 20, um, <clears throat> called Inspired Vision. And this is where you fill in the notes for today. And you can see over then, then page 22 is next week, and then 24, 26, and 28. In fact, the blanks are already there for you to fill in. And if you come up with a guess on answers before I give them to you, you might want to give those to me. Maybe your answers are even better than the ones I thought of, you know, and, and uh, we, can, we can work together on that. So the first one is vision. God has a vision for his people, the ones he's created out of dust, us, to partner with us, to bring his love to this world. And he's been doing that for a long time. And in fact, God, we're going to see a guy named Abraham that God used to bless the whole world. And then, of course, that leads you to prayer. Oh, my goodness. Once you, I mean, once you get God's vision, it's overwhelming. How are we going to do that? And you begin to pray, God, show us yourself. Show us your glory. You be our guide. Lead us. To do that would take a miracle. How are you going to do it? God, we need you. And then page 24 is surrender. You know, at some point, the, you, the traveler has to determine, can I trust my travel guide? Can I trust the guide? And now, our guide has a plan that is so audacious, I would never be able to think it up myself. Am I willing to surrender my plans and my agenda to God's desire, to God's plan? And then turn to page 26. God is looking for partners, and it's going to require sacrifice. It did for God. In fact, God loves you so much, he's all in. He sent himself into this world and died so that he could offer this plan to you. And it meant sacrifice for God. So to travel together is going to take some sacrifice. You still with me on the journey? 
Yeah. And then page 28 is commitment. God's all in. Can you be all in? Will you let God lead you to the point of saying, God, what do you want to do with me? What do you want from me? I mean, I want you to see this isn't just about the money. It's not just about your stuff. It'd be too easy to just write a check and say, there, I took care of it. Now I can go on and do my own thing. God owns everything. He doesn't need your stuff. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me to accomplish his work. But his style is to invite and include people to jump into it wholeheartedly and do his work. And he loves to travel together. So let's go traveling together. And as my dad used to say, sometimes in frustration, if you just sit up and look out and see the things there are to see, people have paid big money to come here to see this. And you're going across the point of Rocks, Wyoming or somewhere like that, you know. <laughs> you know, there's some of those kind of times. Okay, so let's look at Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go up from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And then one of the best verses in the Bible. So Abram went. He went. He didn't say, let's have a task force, let's have a study time, but God, what about, what about, what about? He went. As the Lord told him. And Lot went with him. Lot is his nephew whose dad has died. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions they had gathered and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram. And said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to them. Him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev or towards the desert. I think the map is on page 13. No, that's... Where's the map? Page 19. Is that it? Page 19. If you, look, if you went looking around in Genesis, a few verses before I just read, you're going to find out that Abraham was born in Ur of the Chaldees, which is over on the right-hern side of the map. And uh, his father's named Terah. He had two brothers. Um, one of them had a son named Lot and then died. Abraham married Sarai. They had tried and tried and tried and hadn't had kids. And at some point, the Bible says, Terah said, let's go to the land of Canaan. Let's go to the promised land, which is over here. But he went up here, and he settled in Haran, and he lived there the rest of his life, and he died. Now, the reason he went from here up around like that is there's a big desert in between, and he stayed on the freeway. Okay, he, he stayed where the trade route was and where the water was, staying alongside the river. And um, Terah had taken his family and had headed toward the land of Canaan. I believe he'd heard the voice of God, and he'd got as far as Haran, and he settled there. In fact, he lived there long enough that God finally came to Abraham instead of to Terah. Terah lived to be 205. He lived a long life, but when his life was over, he hadn't reached the goal of his life. He settled. He never fulfilled God's plan. He never received God's promised land. He never received the blessings he would have had. Why did he stop halfway? We don't know. Was it fatigue? 
Was it fear? Was it finances? Was it health? Was it any of the good things that we use as excuses why we can't do God's work? His life ran out and he hadn't finished God's plan for his life. He had had this vision, go to Canaan, the promised land, but somewhere between prayer and sacrifice and surrender and commitment, he gave up. And the blessings that would have been his from God were instead offered to the next generation, to his son Abraham. Now, as we've gotten ready to do this, I have, I've had people come and well-meaning, and they, they're very gracious, but they'll say things like, you know, I probably can't participate. I've helped out six times before when finances have been tight at church, and my, my, my money is tight right now, or my kids need the money. I want them to be happy. Um, my financial advisor says no, or I've already made my will, or I've already set my budget for the year. I'm going to sit this one out. And I realized that just about every one of us could think of the best reason, the best excuse why we should be the grand exception and be left out of hearing God's voice and obeying Him. And before you conclude your decision-making, I want to ask you, please, ask God His opinion on your situation and listen for His voice because God's the one who's still at work in this world and in this church, and if you belong to God, then all of your resources aren't yours. They are God's. He's the owner and you're the manager. So before you act like the owner... Ask the owner, what would you like from your manager? What do you want me to do? Because Terah settled in Haran, and he died there, and he returned to dust. And God stopped asking Haran, and he moved on, and so did God's blessings. God comes to Abraham, who by this time is 75 years old, just a regular guy, just like us. He's made from dust, and to dust he and we shall return our bodies. But why did God choose Abraham? We don't know. I don't think he was anything particularly to look at. The Bible doesn't say so. It does say his wife was exceptionally beautiful, and that uh, caused some problems. And we don't know that he was doing anything but just living an ordinary life, you know, working on security and, and uh, enjoying each day, taking care of himself and his family. And he and Sarah had tried and tried and tried and tried to have children, and that was a big concern because when God gave his promise, he said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And that means you've got to have kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. And he had none. And he's 75 and his wife is 65. So he's got to figure God's got something up his holy sleeve. There's got to be a few miracles to make this plan work. What Abraham needed was a God-inspired vision. And what made Abraham stand out was that he received as a blessing from God, a God-inspired vision. God gave him a vision. And when Abraham heard God's voice, he believed God and so he obeyed it. He obeyed what God told him to do, and off they went on an inspired journey. This was the start of God's plan of salvation in human history, at least the part that involved Abraham. I mean, God had your salvation in mind, the Bible tells us, from before the creation of the world. And he began to put it into motion with Abraham to give it shape and some promises and some guidance and some definition and some locations and some hope. God said, go, and Abraham went. Sounds so simple, and it is, to say it. But think about it in your own life. If this week you were praying and you heard God say, listen, I want you to sell your house, pull up stakes, and go where I tell you, 
wouldn't you at least first say, well, where are you going to tell me to go? Okay, I'm going to, if God humored you and said, okay, I want you to go 150 miles north of Cabo San Lucas on the Baja Sur, California. And you'd go, where the heck is that? And why would I want to go there? And who's there? Why would I ever want to leave this paradise? What will we need for the journey? What are we going to do when we get there? How will we survive? Will we be safe? Will there be food? Will there be water? Will my kids be happy moving there? Because they've got friends in school here. You'd have a mountain of details to move to obey God, wouldn't you? Just to move a few hundred miles south. You'd need to get rid of a lot of stuff. Quit your job, sell your house, organize, downsize, prioritize. You'd say goodbye to a lot of your family and friends. There would be hugs and kisses and promises and tears. And finally, a painful departure from everything and everybody you've known and loved. It would cost you a lot. There is a cost to following God's plan. There always is. There's always something, everything of value cost somebody something. And there was a high price for Abraham to pay too. So why would you do that? Why would Abraham do that? Because Abraham had heard God's voice. He caught God's vision that was God-inspired. Abraham would have never thought, thought, think it up. Pull up stakes and leave at 75 years old. Take this journey and be blessed. Be a blessing to others. Become a great nation. Do something with your life that will be talked about forever and ever and ever. Be a conduit of blessing to the whole world. I mean, think about Abraham. He's 75 years old. He's well settled into retirement. His traveling days are over. He's got friends. He's got his favorite doctors. He's got his favorite stores, his preferred restaurants. He's got his routines. He's got his, his family around him. He's got things working well. He has a wife who's a security risk to travel with because she's so beautiful. He believes God said, I will make of you a great nation. And he's 75. And the problem is his wife is 65, past the age of bearing children. So God's got to do at least one miracle. And Abraham catches God's vision for his life. And he doesn't know all the details. But he chooses to believe God will work it out. If God guides, God provides. And he chooses to obey. And it changed everything. Now, I don't have time to read you his whole story, but I welcome you to read Genesis chapter 11 for about the next 20 chapters this week. It's a fun story to read. You will find that Abraham and Sarah hear God's voice, and they obey God, and they pull up stakes, and they did whatever was necessary to follow God. And they went out following God, and it was counted to them as righteousness in the eyes of God. Righteousness in God's sight is a great place to be because someday you're going to see God face to face. And that's what you want. For God to say, you are a righteous person. You are welcome in my home. Please come in. And it will be determined by your obedience in the little daily directions God whispers in your ear. And how do you follow? So Abraham, when he had heard God's voice, he followed God. He obeyed. And eventually God brought them to a place in Canaan near the Jordan River. And he had brought his son Lot along. Well, both of them had large flocks of sheep and goat and uh, had cattle. And there was so, it was overtaxing the land because there was so much. So Abraham and Lot finally said, we should separate because our servants are fighting with each other over the water and the food for the animals. And so Abraham graciously said to Lot, Lot, take your pick. And Lot looked around. And he chose the most beautiful green place for himself. He said, that's where we're going. So Abraham headed up into the hills, which were more sparse. And it says in chapter 13, verse 14, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, 
Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Look northward and southward and eastward and westward. Look all the way around you. I will give this to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring could also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which is at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. God cast an Abraham, a vision in front of Abraham. Abraham didn't have a clue how major parts of it could be accomplished, but he obeyed God. He moved his life in line with God's vision. God brought him to a good place, gave him some more promises, more blessings. God counted on Abraham to do his part to fulfill the vision. Abraham listened, he obeyed, and he worshiped God. Now, how does that apply to us? God gave us a vision, and we're part of it. I mean, the blessings of the whole world that were promised to Abraham, he never saw a lot of those fulfilled in his life. And you know a whole lot more about what happened, about Moses and the law and David and Solomon and the kingdom and the prophets and the priests and, the, and Jerusalem and Jesus and how Jesus came and worked in this world and died, lived and died himself. But before that, he said, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you're going to do that, you're going to obey and follow God. And the second life, love your neighbor as yourself. And then just before he left this earth, Jesus gave what we call the great commission. All authority, he said, in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He didn't tell them how, but his followers figured out the best way to fulfill that great commandment and great commission is and to win people to Jesus and to grow them up in their faith is to get together in groups regularly and worship God and study his word and serve one another. They're called local churches. And they began to start local churches in every community. People gathered together, groups of people right where you live, gathering together to worship God and support one another and study and in prayer and serving themselves, their, their own church and their community and sending missionaries around the world to tell the good news. That's us. In fact, the whole rest of the Bible is written to local churches just like us, giving us guidance and instruction and examples of how to fulfill God's vision for this world. Well... 1950s, there was a Bible study in Laguna Beach. It grew up. They studied God's Word. It kept getting bigger, and they decided we should become a church. And, and uh, so they got some help, and they moved to the art gallery, and then pretty soon they got too big for there. And then they saw this piece of property, and they said, we got to do it. And it was overwhelming. They could barely afford it. The only reason they got in here is because the, the owner took pity on them and let them uh, auction the furniture that was in her house and her Persian rugs to get their $10,000 down payment together. It cost them $185,000, which they didn't have, but was a steal even then for this property. It was a gift from God. And then in 1968, they built the, the, what we call the chapel, or what's now the youth center, and it cost $100,000. It was overwhelming. How, church, oh, how could we ever pay for that? And then gradually, God provided, and then there were rooms for Sunday schools and Bible studies and gathering places added, and a preschool was added. And in the 1990s, they realized, we've got to build a new sanctuary. And uh, this one was constructed between it and the parking lot, about $4 million. It was a huge stretch. The people kept following God, using the property God had given them as a tool to fulfill God's vision. Well, 
In the process, the gospel is preached, and the people are saved and baptized, grown up in their faith, become leaders in their faith, give generously, serve others, ministries are done, missionaries are sent out. I mean, these are not new ideas. It's how the church fulfills the the vision of God for this world, and it's our turn, because some of these facilities are no longer up to the task. They need to be replaced, and, you know, we need to provide additional parking. There's a lot of cars today on the street. And we need places for, for uh, babies and for children and for youth and adults to meet that are large enough and equipped. So we've been asking the question, what's the maximum ministry we could do on this hillside for the glory of God to fulfill the great commandment and great commission? And we have an answer. It's captured in the master plan. And it's finally been approved by the city of Dana Point. So let's do it. Let's build it. Let's follow God's vision for this church of Jesus Christ in this place to make new disciples and to grow them up in their faith and to impact our community in a positive way with the gospel. Well, we're so blessed here at South Shores to be a healthy church that's praising God and reading His Word and worshiping in multiple styles in multiple locations. We're a multi-generational family connecting people to God and to each other. We've had babies born this year, and we have one of our saints that's going to turn 100 next January 16. He's here in the room. Isn't that amazing? And everywhere in between. And we have people on Sunday who drive in our parking lot, can't find a place to park, and then they drive out and just keep going. And we have families who bring their children to our Sunday school rooms or to our preschool, and they look at the space and they go, hmm, my kid is not going to go in there. It's not adequate. And they leave. If you've only hung out in this building, if your church and your Sunday school have been in this building, you don't realize you've been sitting in first class. Now, on this plane, we have coach class, and we have some seats back by the bathroom as well. And that's where we've had the children's ministry and the youth ministry. And if you think I'm making it up, ask Pastor Tandy or one of the other pastors to give you a tour and just walk around and see for yourself. We actually tried to make a video to show you, and it just looked like we were trashy. So we said, we're not showing it. We're not showing it. But it exists. We need to provide places that can make new disciples from now until Jesus returns. That might be 100 years or more into the future. So we want to be ready today, but if he tarries, we want there still generations yet to be born can come to this place and to hear the good news of Jesus and ask Jesus into their heart and be saved and and live for him in this world and then in heaven with us. And we need to do our part. Our mission is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Can that be done without buildings? Yeah. Can it be done without parking? Yeah. Could you have come to church today without shoes or without clothing? Yes. Did you? No. You didn't. So the buildings are tools that God uses to provide places for people to hear about Jesus and grow in their faith. They aren't exciting. They're not flamboyant. They're just necessary. And it's not getting any easier to be a Christian. It's always going to be inconvenient. And it's not getting any cheaper. It's getting more and more expensive and harder. And it is expensive and time-consuming to follow God's vision. It always is. That's why you remember people like Abraham who just obeyed because God casts the vision and he gives the resources and then we believe and do our part and do our work and sacrifice and praise his name. And God is counting on each of us to do our part. So here's my prayer, that 100% of us would pray that prayer, God, what do you want to do in me, through me, with me and my stuff? God, speak to me. I'm listening to your voice. And ask God to give you his vision. See, Terah was headed to Canaan, 
But he stopped. Halfway. He settled. And his blessings were given then to the next generation. Do you want God to take the blessings he had intended for you and to me and to give them to our children and grandchildren? I don't. That's what he did when they were crossing the... the um, to get to the promised land and the people, God said, let's move forward. And they said, I'm going to sit this one out. And they were on the wrong side of the Jordan. And God said, yes, sit down. You're being left out. I don't want that to happen for us. And that's what happened with Terah. And God started and he inspires people. He's inspired our vision. I want us to catch God's vision. Are you ready to travel? Do you have your travel guide? Do you see where we're going? Do you feel a bit overwhelmed? I do. It's a God-sized vision. It can only be accomplished if God's in it, if we all pull together and do our part that God's calling on us to do, and it's going to take some miracles. Abraham had that very same thought, and he trusted God, and he obeyed, and he prayed, and God did miracles. So better get ready. Get ready to travel. Better start to pray. Oh, that's next week. Well, I want us to pray together, and I want to give a few minutes to Robert Hopper, a pastor friend of mine, who's coming alongside to help guide us. So, Robert, come on up here, and let's all pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your man, Abraham, and his wife, Sarah. Regular people slipped up occasionally, but they put their eyes on the prize. They listened to your voice. They obeyed God, and they went. Now, I pray that we will hear your voice clearly. That we will be people of courage and of faith, just like all of those who've been part of South Shores through the decades who have prayed and heard your voice and taken great steps of faith and have sacrificed so that we could sit right here in this beautiful sanctuary today, enjoying the blessings of someone else's sacrifice. And now it's our turn. So I pray we will be people of faith, inspired from the dust you, in which you created us to the glory in heaven. We want to be yours and follow you. Amen.